Each Good Friday, I think of that forlorn man, betrayed, beaten, humiliated, forced to carry his own cross until he couldn't carry it any further. Spat on, jeered at, nailed to a cross because of me. You may think it is Jesus doing that for you, and he did. I've been a sinner since before I can remember. For the first 30 years of my main sin was the same as that of Adam and Eve in our first reading. Not eating forbidden fruit, but what is perhaps the greatest sin in the world today. There are, of course, some real contenders for that, aren't there? Uh, Injustice, hypocrisy within the church, pride, selfishness, wars, indifference towards the poor and vulnerable, destroying God's creation. But the sin I have in mind as the greatest sin of all is autonomy. Autonomy may even be the very essence of sin, underlying every other sin. The sin of autonomy rises on a day like today and says to the man on the cross, I did not ask you to die for me. I do not need you to die for me. I reject your offer of salvation. If there is a God, I'd rather die for my own sins than have uh, someone who I don't even know die for me. Uh, I'll do it my way. The great sin of Adam and Eve was not to disobey a simple rule, don't eat the fruit of that tree. It starts with falling for Satan's great lie. You will, not, you will certainly not die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan, in effect, says to Eve, you were made for greater things. Be your own person. Actually, be your own God. That is the great lie. To know in this context means to choose what is good and what is evil, to be the judge of what is good and evil, to decide what is good and evil in the context of the Garden of Eden was to usurp God's authority, to assert one's own autonomy. Sometimes sin is seen as lawlessness or rebellion, exchanging God for something created. But in our first reading, sin is a personal rejection of God. The choice of autonomy over God. Adam and Eve chose to not be held back by God's ways. The French existentialist philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre understood this. He said, if you choose what is good and evil for me, then I become your slave. And he said, I will be the slave of no one. Autonomy denies any shared sense of what is good and evil. It can also deny what we might call objective reality. We've seen this many times. Hitler's claim that the Jews posed an existential threat 
to Germany. America's claim against the evidence that Saddam Hussein possessed weapons of mass destruction. Donald Trump's persistent claims of fake news and that he won the last election. Vladimir Putin's claim that Ukraine posed his mighty Russia a threat that justified his war. Or that NATO would be so stupid to invade Russia, where all had failed since Genghis Khan, and he didn't last that long. Autonomy lies behind colonial powers claiming a right to colonialism. We'll decide what's right. We'll decide who owns things. We will impose our sense of justice over your sense of justice. All this is autonomy. We'll do it our way. We also see this denial of a shared sense of good and evil in the mundane aspects of daily life. Teenagers and adult children blaming their struggles and disappointments on their less than perfect parents. The redefinition of sex away from a fun way to build intimate relationships to being about recreation and what I get out of it rather than what I give. Autonomy poses huge problems. Without a coherent and shared idea of family, family stability goes out the door with all the consequences of physical and mental and spiritual ill health and loneliness. My needs over yours, our needs over growing inequality. And fundamentally, if each of us gets to choose what is good and evil, if we deny any shared idea of objective good, we will be at war with ourselves and each other forever. With autonomy, there is no hope. Just as Adam and Eve were alienated from God and the garden and each other, so are we alienated from every good that God wants to share with us. Adam and Eve were alienated from themselves and felt shame. They were alienated from their bodies and had to cover them up. They were alienated from the rest of creation and had to leave Eden. Work became oppressive, childbirth dangerous. The good news is that God did not take eternal offence at their sin of autonomy or our many expressions of autonomy since then. Through Jesus' love poured out on the cross, for us we have, as Paul says in our second reading, been justified, made right with God, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And peace only comes when by God's grace through faith we stop fighting God. We stop thinking we know better. We stop thinking about ourselves and think about others. If I go out each day thinking that I have to assert and fight for my self-made sense of good, however confused and contradictory that might be, what joy and hope can there possibly be in that? I will certainly come up against smarter and more powerful people than myself. I may be able to beat some people, but what satisfaction comes from beating people weaker than me? And I know I can't beat everyone, 
I may hate their sense of good, but I can't have much hope or joy if I know sooner or later I'm going to lose big time if life is all about winning rather than going with God and his ways. But when we share God's sense of what is good, we have at least three good reasons to have joy and hope. First, we don't have all the doubts we have about the reality we make for ourselves. I spent 30 years exploring God's sense of the good and what we call Christian ethics. I'm constantly amazed and delighted and see how much better his sense of the good is than any sense that I can make myself. Think about how many Jesus' miracles restored people physically, relationally and emotionally. The blind, the lame, the leper, the promiscuous, the hungry, the abused, those who live in darkness came into light with Jesus. The outcast is honoured by God himself. Despised tax collectors dine with the Son of God. Jesus doesn't have the values of our elites or our puffed up celebrities, but his way is just so much better than ours. I often hear people say today, you do you. I'm sure you've heard it. You do you. If I do me rather than I do Jesus, that's a, a recipe for misery and mediocrity. If I do Jesus, if I follow his way, it is a way of hope and joy. I know not everyone is going to share God's sense of the good, but when I come here or gather in our Bible studies or, or work with our staff, I know we share a sense of the good. We might take time to work out what that is, but we have a shared sense of the good. And that is a gift of God that does give me hope and joy. The second reason for hope and joy when we share God's sense of what is good is that I know that God will help me. Why would he help me if I think and say that I don't need him? But I know that God who only knows good and is all powerful and all merciful and will help me be better than I can be on my own. I know God will, will help me through suffering to learn perseverance, to, to build character and to have hope that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's all gift, all generosity, all God's ways and just so much better than anything we can do for ourselves. Third, if we put autonomy behind us, we may have hope and joy because we know God has already defeated the things that would stop us from having hope and joy. He has forgiven our sins. We don't have to get bogged down in remembering the things that we've done wrong in the past. We can move forward because those sins are forgiven. He's taken the sting out of death. And we'll see on Sunday that his vision of the future, whether we die in this life 
or whether he returns before them is just so much better than anything we could make for ourselves. So please, come back on Sunday. It's all about the resurrection and it's going to be great. And when we consider all the problems of this world caused by the fracturing of things that bind, the fracturing of families and friendships and and politicians governing for the good of all, problems like corruption and selfishness, we can have hope that Jesus died for all those sins and will put this world to right again. Paul puts it so well. You see, just at the right time when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Today is not good because an innocent man died, but because that death permits peace with God and peace with each other. And if you can think of a better good, even though I'd love to see inequality wiped away and mental health problems wiped away and everyone on earth thriving, I still don't know what a better good is. Because without the peace that comes from God, that shared sense of good and evil, and the love, mercy and forgiveness that only God can give, these other goods really don't stand a chance. We're here today because we share a common idea of good. Today is Good Friday, even though we remember a man crucified on a cross outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. There is something good about it. In fact, it is the best thing that has happened since creation. For it was the defeat of sin. Sin leads to separation, despair, disappointment and death. Autonomy is no substitute for knowing we are loved by God. And we can't have both. If you're tempted, can we do both? It doesn't work. We can't comfort ourselves with platitudes about God loving us and then say we don't need him. I hope you can see that autonomy from God is nonsense. But sadly, lots of people don't. And real good comes from you sharing your sense of your need for God. It's not about so much sharing the truths about God, but the most effective thing that you can do is to show the way that you need God, the difference that God makes in your life. That's the best witness you can possibly do, to just show how much each day God pours good into your life and the way that you need him. We can't be autonomous, answerable only to ourselves, and be in relationship with God. If we don't recognise our sin, then Good Friday and Easter are meaningless. To be sure, God loves us before we repent, but we only get the benefits of that when we do repent and trust him. And 
I've said this before here, dementia and brain damage and undeveloped minds are no obstacle to God's love. Repentance takes away our attachment to sin. But if we have no sense of our sin, no pride in our sin, then that's not an obstacle to God. But most people are capable of recognising whether they think or act as if they don't need God. And therefore we need to repent. When we do repent, and when we do trust God, the floodgates are opened. As Paul says in our second reading, since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Paul's not talking about something that will happen in the future. When we stand before God and he judges every action and word in our life. No, no, no. God's judgment on us has already been made. And that judgment is justified, forgiven, past tense. We are right with God today. Nothing should hold us back. He says, since we have now been justified by his blood. That, that, that's past tense. We have nothing to fear about judgment day. We can look forward to those words of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful because you've always shown that you need me and you trust me. We go from being a sinner to righteous before God because we trust that Jesus died for us. We trust that however we sin, Jesus' death wipes that out takes away God's wrath and means that we are at peace with God. We were once enemies of God when we lived our autonomous lives, but now we are reconciled with God. We can call him friend. Yes, we can call him father, but he's also our friend. Our translation ends with this. We can boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. I prefer we can rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I prefer to rejoice than to boast. I know the sense in that use of the word boast is, to, is that something we boast in something great that God has done but we're so used to using boast as a, a way of bragging about something that we've done for ourselves that I would be much happier to just to say that we rejoice in what God has done for us. I don't want to use words that suggest that I don't need God. For it is by dependence on God that we live. It's my dependence on God that defines who I am. It's the heart of my faith. And when I live in my dependence of God, there's just no place for the sin of autonomy. With God, I do not fear death. I do not fear the future. The only thing I fear is going back to my autonomous ways. But Jesus will save me from that as well if I stick close to him. So please, this Good Friday, treasure your dependence on God. 
It really is the most precious thing that you have. Amen. Let's stand and sing that great, great hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.